Chapter 11 of The Red Cross Girls and the Stars and Stripes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Carol Sutton. The Red Cross Girls with the Stars and Stripes by Margaret Vandercook. Chapter 11, The Undertow. Nona's absorption in her work of nursing Lieutenant Martin had naturally separated her from any complete knowledge of what was taking place outside the hospital during the time. In a halfway fashion, she was aware that Barbara Thornton was spending a good many hours away from her nursing duties and was tremendously interested in the entertainment for the American soldiers which she had in charge. Mildred Thornton spoke of this once or twice to Nona, saying that she hoped Barbara would not over-fatigue herself, as she seemed to be a little nervous and restless. But of course Barbara had not been working for some time and had gotten out of the discipline. Mildred even discussed writing her brother Dick to come to see Barbara for a short time if it were possible. Then she changed her mind in regard to this, knowing that Dick was doing ambulance work in a part of France where at this time his services were most necessary. Moreover, Barbara had insisted not once but half a dozen times that no matter what happened, she would not interfere with her husband's work. She had promised him this and had promised herself. Besides, Barbara was slightly irritated by her sister-in-law's suggestion that she was not perfectly herself. In fact, she had never been more interested in anything in her life than her present occupation. The entertainment which she was engineering was to be the most successful one any soldier's camp had ever enjoyed. Nona also asked Mildred as a special favor that she would not mention to Eugenia any nervousness she might feel concerning her, as Eugenia had given her consent to the entertainment, and Barbara did not wish it withdrawn. Barbara had been in correspondence with a number of prominent persons in Paris, and a distinguished French actress, Madame Renane, had promised to come all the way to camp to give a recitation for the American soldiers. Madame Renane was to remain overnight at the hospital as Madame Castaigne's guest. Bertha Bonnet was also to recite. Bertha had known Madame Renane in Paris and was anxious to have the great lady become interested in her ability. Then Lieutenant Kelly had been permitted to waive his dignity as an officer sufficiently to assist in the training of a fine chorus of the American soldiers. Two or three of the men were found to be professional singers and were to take part. At one moment, Marley Drew solemnly agreed that she would sing the few old Irish ballads which had entertained the soldiers on less important occasions. Yet the next she was apt to say that no power upon earth could induce her to appear. So Barbara was apparently going through the trials which beset the theatrical manager before an important production, and had at least this reason for her nervousness. Moreover, what she was pleased to call rehearsals took a great deal of time and strength. 
As these rehearsals could only be held in the evenings, Barbara had finally managed to persuade Mildred Thornton, whenever she was free, to play the accompaniments for a number of the singers, as Mildred was an exceptionally well-trained pianist. She had also induced Eugenia to purchase a piano, insisting that nothing would give greater and more innocent pleasure to the American soldiers in their vicinity. So Barbara could scarcely be accused of idleness, even if she had altered the nature of her Red Cross duties. Nor was there a girl in the hospital excepting Nona Davis, perhaps, who did not, in a small measure, share in Barbara's plans. Eugenia thought of this fact one day as she observed Nona going through the hall on her way to Lieutenant Martin's room. Madame Castaigne would not have felt a loyalty to discuss the matter with herself, but in a way Nona Davis was her present favorite among the original group of Red Cross girls. She was devoted to Mildred Thornton and had seen more of her than of Nona or Barbara. But Mildred was undemonstrative, and her deep affections were given to her own family and to the Russian general to whom she had become engaged during her fine work as a war nurse in Russia. At one time, Eugenia may have considered that she was especially attached to Barbara, but although she was not supposed to have noticed, she too had seen that Barbara Thornton had changed since her marriage and not for the better. Yet there must be some hidden reason for Barbara's present restlessness. Eugenia hoped that her work outside the hospital might be an outlet and that she would buckle down to more serious work later, else her coming abroad for the Red Cross was a decided mistake. But now Eugenia decided that Nona looked a little tired and wondered if more work was being put upon her than the other nurses. She did not wish this. Lieutenant Martin had been a trying patient, not because he had been so ill, but because his nerves had been so overstrained by the severe demands he made upon himself in camp. However, he was growing better, and Eugenia had several times thought of removing Nona from the case. Yet Lieutenant Martin had begged so hard, had promised such a possible improvement and reformation that she had been turned aside. Moreover, Eugenia liked the young officer with his stern sense of duty, his strong will, and high temper. With these traits of character, there were other far more appealing ones, and he was one of the finest types of a soldier. Besides, Eugenia was amused by Nona's present softening influence upon him. Eugenia knew she could reduce him to whatever terms she desired by threatening to change his nerves. So she said nothing to Nona at the moment of seeing her in the hall, only smiled at her in a fashion which had the most surprising influence upon the people working under her. Eugenia's approval seemed to make all the cogs in the wheel run smoother. Madame Castaigne was on her way to a small room which was reserved as a kind of reception room at the front of the hospital. Someone had sent up a card asking to see her, and she always saw people when this did not interfere with her work. Ten minutes later, she stopped by Lieutenant Martin's room, and after knocking, Nona admitted her. Nona was now on duty a part of each day, as her patient did not require a special night nurse. The room looked very clean and comfortable with its white bed and white walls and some few photographs which Nona had discovered and placed around. 
and the patient appeared extremely cheerful and handsome. The bandage had been removed from his head, and Eugenia thought she had seldom seen anyone reveal breeding more distinctly. He and Nona had been laughing over something the moment before she entered, and Lieutenant Jack Martin's gray eyes were still so filled with amusement his whole expression had changed. Miss Davis is a great bully. You would not guess it from looking at her, would you, Madame Castain? Eugenia shook her head. Well, if she is, I am just coming to relieve you of her. Oh, only for a little while. And Eugenia's sudden understanding made the young man flush. Now, now, someone named Philip Dawson has just been seeing me and says he knows you. And if you are free, will you take a walk with him? I told him I rather thought it might do you good to get out of doors more. He's waiting for your answer. None hesitated an instant. You don't mean that fellow Dawson has presumed to come here to the hospital to call upon you, a masculine voice growled. Do you know anything against Mr. Dawson, Lieutenant Martin? Eugenia inquired. I was under the impression that he was one of the most brilliant of the newspaper men who are to follow the fortunes of our American army in France. I believe also the correspondents are to be accredited as officers without special rank. But is there anything that is personal? Lieutenant Martin looked very much as if he wished to answer yes. Nevertheless, he shook his head. No, it's simply that I don't like him. I presume he is clever enough. But if Miss Davis does not mind, I am not sufficiently well for her to leave me this afternoon. Tomorrow, perhaps. Nonsense, Lieutenant Eugenia laughed. I'll see that you are not neglected. Go on, Nona, dear, and decide when you talk with Mr. Dawson. I found him very agreeable. He is in the reception room. More than an hour later, Nona and Philip Dawson sat down in an orchard several miles from the American hospital. They were under one of many peach trees now covered with ripening fruit as it was late summer. I am glad you have liked our walk, Miss Davis. Yes, I have explored this French countryside for many miles. Is it not splendid whenever there has been the least chance the French have gone on cultivating their orchards and gardens with their wonderful patient thrift? I am going to find you some fruit. Then later, when you have rested, perhaps you will walk up with me to the little French farmhouse over there, as I should rather pay for it. The French people will probably refuse, so you must help me. But one never knows how many people they may be trying to support from one of these small farms. Nona allowed Philip Dawson to sacrifice his handkerchief and to peel her a great number of peaches, which she ate with the deepest satisfaction. She had just had a charming afternoon. Her companion had been gay and agreeable and had told her many interesting facts. Unlike the greater number of the members of his profession, he seemed to have but little personal vanity and seldom figured as the hero of his own stories. She had been right during their one brief former meeting in thinking she would like him. She had already forgotten any peculiarities in his personal appearance. His hat was on the ground at this moment, and his high forehead and humorous eyes his fine mouth made his face too interesting to be ugly. 
Do you know I have been envying Lieutenant Martin recently, Miss Davis? I have been to the hospital to find you several times since my first walk with you, but always before you and Madame Castaigne have been too busy to see me. Then you have heard about Lieutenant Martin, Nona answered. I thought the matter had been hushed up. But he should hear you say you were envious of him. Of all the impatient, bored invalids I have ever nursed, he is almost the worst. But I am sorry for him. He is not interested in anything, apparently, except his soldiering, and is so afraid the men in his unit will be ordered into the trenches before he is able to join them. Philip Dawson took out a cigarette. Do you mind my smoking, he queried. Then when Nona shook her head, he went on. Yes, I heard about Martin soon after the trouble. The truth is, I have been quietly trying to find out the reason for the difficulty ever since it occurred. You see, newspaper men often do a kind of detective work, since they have rather exceptional opportunities for investigating and are a kind of unofficial intelligence bureau, and we have all the same mania these days. Philip Dawson smoked a moment or two in silence. Miss Davis, I wonder if I should tell you something disagreeable. I hate dreadfully to make you uncomfortable, and yet perhaps it is just as well for you to be on your guard. You may be able to help. Please don't talk in riddles, Nona returned with some irritation. Besides, I wish you would not spoil our afternoon. Philip Dawson smiled. It may not be so bad as that. The truth is, I suppose you may have guessed this yourself. Most of us who are interested in finding out who is responsible for the injury to Lieutenant Martin believe the man who struck him had a personal reason for getting Martin away from camp for a certain length of time. So far, we don't know the man and we don't know the reason. It may have been personal spite or it may have been due to his great diligence in investigating the German spy menace. There are two or three of our own men under suspicion, yet so far there is nothing sufficiently definite for any accusation. It is abominable, isn't it? Nona nodded sympathetically. Yes, it does spoil my afternoon in a way to have to think there may be traitors in our own American camp but I really don't see why I should be on my guard or what I can do to help except perhaps to warn Lieutenant Martin, and he hates to discuss the subject, says he prefers anything to a scandal in camp. Besides, I am not the proper person to talk about. No, Philip Dawson agreed. When Martin is well enough, his superior officer will discuss the situation with him. Martin is one of the favorite officers of the colonel of his regiment. But the truth is, I might as well tell you frankly, one of the suspicions is that there is a woman who is also concerned in the trouble. As I said before, the information is far too uncertain to take seriously, yet there is just one chance in a hundred she may be someone whom you know. Someone whom I know, Nona repeated rather stupidly, but that is out of the question. I only know the dozen or more nurses who are at our American hospital and Madame Bonnet and Bertha. I have met no one else since I came to France this time, 
and I don't see why I should so often be involved in suspicions of this kind. Please, let us go on back. Philip Dawson got up instantly. He was one of the agreeable persons who did not dispute small matters. Just as you like, only come first to the little French farmhouse. You may find it sufficiently interesting to forgive my being annoying. End of chapter 11. Read by Carol Sutton, Knox, PA, February 12, 2022.